Welcome to the Jonah Carey Podcast. Today's guest is Matt Nelson. You might know Matt as the proprietor of the excellent, excellent Twitter account, Dog Rates. That's dog underscore rates. Uh, it is wildly popular. It is a lot of fun. It's a pick-me-up in people's lives. If you like dogs or silly pictures or videos or whatever, and clever commentary, you'll enjoy it. Uh, Matt has turned this into a mini empire of sorts. He is a college student, which is incredible. He's 20 years old. And uh, Dog Rates at the last count has uh, more than 2.5 million followers on Twitter. But more than that, it just kind of cheers people up. I feel like going online becomes fraught these days. Whatever side of the political aisle you're, you're on, it's messy and ugly and what have you. And these are just dogs. And it's a pick-me-up. And it's cool. So we got into all that. Uh, we did talk a little bit about tackling some of the tougher issues. Matt usually tries to stay away from politics. Uh, but during some of the, uh, was it the Women's March and some other recent events, uh, he did uh, kind of a little bit express some opinions and, and got backlash immediately, like, why is this partisan, whatever, uh, even though it didn't seem to be partisan issues. Um, but anyway, very interesting. Talked about turning this into commerce. Talked about the backlash that can come with pursuing commerce and why can't it just be about the dogs? I mean, it's a really... Tricky kind of thing to find something that doesn't get some sort of backlash. Almost no matter what, that's going to happen. So all of that, really good conversation. Really, really interesting and smart guy. Uh, dog underscore rates, again, is the Twitter site. Uh, you've probably heard of it. But uh, yeah, they're good dogs, Brent. And uh, you will dig this conversation if you're a fan of dog rates. Uh, some programming notes. So uh, this is episode two here at CBS Sports of the podcast. We have gone over from Nerdist. Uh, if you were subscribing on Nerdist, guess what? You're auto-subscribed here, so that's great. And uh, if you are new to this, then you can subscribe on iTunes, on Stitcher, or on SoundCloud. Uh, that's new. That's a new option. So I hope you do check out the podcast. Lots of fun, fun guests coming up. Uh, I just recorded a couple of really good ones. I got another one this week. Uh, I'm in Canada, and I've got a really compelling podcast uh, recording this week that you will enjoy as well. So all over the place, some baseball, some other sports, and some guys who run accounts with dogs, uh, really whatever I'm interested in. And, and that's sort of the ethos of this podcast, just compelling conversations with things or people or subjects, whatever that, that I like and I'm interested in. So I hope that you uh, dig it as well. Uh, and as far as content goes, let's see, today's Wednesday. So we will have, well, first of all, today at CBS Sports, we've got my all-star teams. I picked the all-star teams for the National League and the American League, so you can check that out. Tomorrow will be my weekly column for Sportsnet uh, on the Blue Jays. And then on Friday, it will be Carry the 10, which is my weekly kind of look around the world of baseball for CBS Sports as well. Lots of great stuff. Also recently published my latest edition of The 30 for SI.com. For all of that, if you want to follow all the 75,000 places I work at, just go to jonahcarry.com and we've got feeds and what have you where you can track everything. Let's discuss the sponsor for today's podcast. It is Blue Apron. Blue Apron is fantastic. Big, big fan. Uh, number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They're great. They make incredible home cooking accessible to everybody. I have said it so many times. I am just so, so bad in the kitchen. Terrible. Can't cook. Can't do anything. Thought it was a lost cause. Got Blue Apron. Not a lost cause. Totally doable. They make it really easy to use. Everything is pre-portioned, so you've got your protein, you've got your starch, you've got your spices. Everything is laid out very easily from the time you take everything out of the box to the time that it's on the plate. Less than an hour. Really, really easy. Uh, really, really great. And some tasty food. It's really outstanding. I've cooked for the whole family, uh, which is 
a dream. I never imagined that I would do that. I just was not never a cooking person. Uh, some of the recipes coming up, we got the warm smoked trout and asparagus salad with fingerling potatoes and garlic croutons, spiced zucchini enchiladas with creamy lime and tomato rice, elote-style vegetable tostadas with summer squash, poblano peppers and cilantro rice, and peach honey glazed chicken with mashed sweet potatoes, collard greens, and Thai basil. Uh, if you are familiar with Blue Apron, you'll know that they all kinds of interesting flavors that blend really well together. And if you're new to it, you might get some surprises, some stuff that maybe you haven't, the kinds of foods that you haven't necessarily tried before or tried to cook before, uh, and you will find that it is much easier than you expect and totally delicious. Very affordable as well, less than 10 bucks per person per meal, so you can't go wrong there. And get this, you check out this week's menu and you can get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash Jonah. That's blueapron.com slash Jonah. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Thank you to Blue Apron for sponsoring the podcast. And here is this episode of the Jonah Carey Podcast. It is with Matt Nelson of Dog Rates. Enjoy. Nelson, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to meet you. <laughs> I'm very excited to meet you too. I, I appreciate only, that. We've only uh, interacted underneath my post, so <laughs> <laughs> I am a fan of your work. Oh, thank you very much. Um, so I was joking with you just before we started that um, I'm friends with Meg Greenwell, and uh, she blew the bit. <laughs> she blew the bit. She wrote a definitive, terrific story for Esquire, which people should check out about dog rates, um, which is tons of fun. And one thing that she locked in on, which is, you know, it's all, you can't fake this, is the positivity of it. Mm-hmm. And right before you came here, uh, again, Jason Stark was sitting in that chair, and Jason is one of the most positive humans I've ever met. He's a sports writer. And um, obviously there's humor to this, like it's got edge, it's got all that, but uh, how much of you in real life is just like a guy who likes positive stuff, I guess? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess, like, I used to go to the internet, uh, Twitter specifically, as right. my uh, creative outlet. Right. Um, and so it's always been kind of the positive spin on my life. Like, now, yes, I have to almost put myself in a different character when I go, on, when I log into those yeah. those accounts. Uh, not only We Rate Dogs, but the, the new Dog Feelings one. Mm-hmm. is because I cannot, um, I, I have to uphold that expectation of nonstop positivity that people expect. Right. Uh, so, and I save a lot of uh, negative, more more of the self-deprecating comedy style for right. my personal account. Hmm. Um, and that's um, that's something that I've lost because I've spent so much time looking at dogs and yeah. and, and, uh, and running that account that I don't make as many off the wall jokes as I did when I started Twitter. Um, so. Does it seem weird to, I mean, listen, if we want to get really real, all of us walk around in society and we put on the best face that we think suits the world because we want, don't want people to think that we're jerks or whatever. So maybe we're a little kinder, maybe we're a little cooler, maybe we want other people to think that our hair is a little better than it is, whatever it is. But, you know, every day this is what you do. You're clocking in and you have to meet that formula. I mean, you cannot 
stray at a certain point. You build up a certain amount of expectation. Is there pressure? Is there, oh, back to the salt mines today <laughs> so I can smile on the internet? Yeah, I would say, I mean, there's just a pressure that comes with having an audience. Yeah. Uh, I, like, before We Rate Dogs, when I just had my personal account, even though it was a small following, I still thought of them as... Like I took, I took everything so seriously. Yeah. And now my personal account is where I can't, where like I have to take nothing seriously. <laughs> or I'm going to explode. Yeah. So I, I do. There is a lot of pressure associated with Weird Dogs just because of the audience size, and there's so many, there's just so many eyes watching that I, yeah. I don't again uphold that expectation. Um, yeah. So there's there's a decent amount of pressure to to not only. Uh, like uh, basic things like don't misspell or misuse a word yeah, yeah. Um, but but just uh, um, keeping up with what people expect and and yeah there's there's some pressure huh and 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 gee, I thought you know as you said you felt that Meg had a pretty good peg on you in terms of just what your personality is like um, and she talked a lot about you being competitive which I thought was pretty <laughs> interesting um, How'd that come to be? Was it just sort of always ingrained in you that you were that way? I think it was. And I think you're mentioning my parents, like she contacted my parents afterwards. Yeah. And my dad had a quote that was like... If, they're throwing, throwing shade at you. Yeah, if, if breathing was a sport, I would try to win um, or something something to that extent. Yeah. But yeah, I... Um, I uh, so this is kind of, kind of off, starting off track, yeah. but um, I had open heart surgery when I was five days old. Right. And so my... Uh, Doctor at the time, not at the time, but a few years later, he suggested uh, a more um, like an aerobic sport mm -hmm. uh, that um, uh, uh, and swimming. It was yeah. he suggested swimming, and I I swam since the time I was I was four up until I graduated high school. Hmm. Um, and I don't know if that because when you're a little kid swimming, like it, it may be competitive for you, but like it's not an yeah. actual competitive thing. Like your parents don't think. I mean, some parents get pretty pretty crazy about it but um just just participating in sports uh that may have facilitated the competitiveness but other than that it was just ingrained in me um oh. and and it's not that i started we raid dogs with with the intent of being the best um <laughs> I, that was just i was a bored college freshman and uh, like i wanted to make people laugh and i figured uh that i, well, I found out um that the dogs were this the medium that i could communicate that i could uh, get my writing to the most people, um, since they're just universally liked. So, I'm I'm interested in the kind of formative sports stuff. I've talked to people who didn't at all at all end mm -hmm. up doing anything with sports, but they were on the high school dance, chess team, basketball mm -hmm. team, whatever. And when people talk about swimming, they, they get all uh, zen and philosophical about <laughs> being in the water. You know that it's not the same as archery or volleyball or football. Or uh -huh. There's something about swimming. For you, was it just like, oh, it's cool, I'm pretty good at it, or did you have this kind of, oh, I'm at my best when I'm doing the There was stroke? There was a time, I started taking swimming very seriously, um, probably eighth grade, going into my freshman year of high school. Yeah. Um, we had a fantastic coach that just instilled the belief in me that I could pretty much do anything. That's amazing. Um, yeah, and, and uh, I think that was when I really started to get competitive about it, and one thing that... Uh, I'm proud of myself for is we have morning practice three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, on top of seven other practices during the week, mm. but those are at 5 a.m. in the morning. And so for the first, I would go to a few my freshman year, and then sophomore year, that coach left, and then um, I just felt, I just, for some reason, that morning practice really, it was, it was my zone, and not a lot of people attended that practice, like sometimes it was just me, and I was perfectly oh, wow. fine with that. So it was optional. 
Oh yeah, yeah. These aren't. It was so. It wasn't actually high school mandated sports. This was year round swimming. Okay, so, yeah. So it was a separate separate organization. But um, yeah, those morning practices and and my junior year and senior year, like I would say half the practices, it was it was just me. Wow. Um, and so that's a and I thrived in that in that environment. Um, I had a coach that knew what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have any long term swimming goals, but it was it was the, it was a big enough part of my life that. Um, uh, I guess, like, I knew that I was never good enough to consider um, going to a, a, a decent school for swimming. I yeah. could have, I could have went to school for swimming, but not at the level that would have been, I guess, to me worth it. Um, so it, it was just, I, I just loved it, and and I don't know, it was, so, it was something about it that that um, I fell in love with, and that almost isolation in the water was was really what I thrived on. Do you consider yourself an introvert? Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. Now, I know that that's hard for people, like, unless I'm talking about what we're talking about, Yeah. I'm, I'm an introvert. But if it's something I'm passionate about, I will, I will talk for days. Huh. Uh, and how does that manifest itself? Like, if you're at a party or whatever, you're just kind of slinking so, around? So, I uh, didn't have my first beer until I was, like, going the summer before freshman year of college. I did nothing. Swimming was the only thing I did for those yeah. four years of high school. Yeah. Um, I did not go out on the weekends. I had practice in the morning or a meet. Um, and, and you were on the golf team too, right? Yes, yes. So that's that's a lot. Yeah. yeah so there were different different season sports. Sure. Yeah. But they, um, they they fit together pretty well because there were different seasons. Yeah. And well, they're both um, like they're both team sports when you're in high school, but there's still an extreme individual aspect of those two sports. So, um, but yeah, I was not the partier. Um, I'm still not like I. In most scenarios, I'm I'm uncomfortable, as most introverts would be in, right, in right. most public situations. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, unless it, like I I've talked about this, uh, we rate dogs, um, how it all happened. I've talked about it so much that yeah. I'm comfortable. It's something I'm passionate about. I can talk about it for days. That's good. I, I think. <laughs> um, did you? Here's a very elemental question. Did you grow up with dogs? I did. Yeah. So um, I grew up. Um, I think Holly was the first golden retriever we had. Yeah. Um, and then Daisy and Topaz at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then right now I have a four-year-old golden retriever named Zoe. So all four female golden retrievers. Um, and that probably explains a lot of the bias you see on the account. Our family it was golden retrievers, and they were all named after Western characters. Okay. So there was uh, Sun Sundance. Well, technically, was Sundance was like a family-adjacent dog, but like Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Uh, Shiloh and Shane those were the dogs and uh, I don't know man like Golden's I, I'm waiting I'm trying to find a, a hole in the Golden repertoire like what is oh they're too perfect they're too, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with them you know they're just like they're energetic and fun but not too much and they're chill when they need to oh, be and like yeah. I, I don't you know it's I can't offic- I can't make any statements to, uh, it might affect affect my business but yes um <laughs> oh that's right you can't start actually ranking I, yeah, the dogs no 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 I, they're all tied for first as far yes, as anyone's concerned yeah. but uh yeah goldens just have this fun uh, more i think i think they're the perfect family dog yeah um and there's plenty of breeds that fit that category also but but goldens are undeniably that um and i think there's there's a fun almost dumb aspect to them <laughs> that's right there's there's goldens are almost notorious for for just 
disinterest on a form that is so entertaining. <laughs> um, and occasionally you'll get uh, like outstandingly brilliant dogs, uh, but but as from for the most part, goldens are. I think they they're just what every family almost I would say needs. <laughs> so you talked about figuring out dog rates and kind of getting your voice and all that. Were you workshopping other stuff? Were you like, I'm going to rank this or write about this? I mean, was this like your seventh attempt at something and it came to this, or was it just... So, um, when I, backing up again, yeah. when I was at MIT, uh, I, Johnny's son invited me to speak at, at MIT, and yeah. uh, afterwards I went to dinner with him, Sarah Kay, uh, Susan, who was the moderator for the whole thing, and Sarah asked me the same thing. She was like, how many, how many ideas did you have before dog race? Yeah. Um, and that was the first time anyone had, had asked me that, mm -hmm. and none. It was, you know, I, I built this persona on the internet of Matt Nelson, and yeah. then um, I figured out over the course of a year and a half or so that my style of writing, which of course is, is, is learned through other people I saw, yeah. um, and, and dogs were this combination that, that didn't match anything else I was doing. Right. Um, and so... I wish I had this Eureka, we rate dogs moment, like, like I'm going to make this account, uh, I'm going to rate dogs, this is how I'm going to do it. That didn't happen. It was more of a process of, of, of figuring out what would work, and then, and then just, just I guess, I, I struck gold with the, with the first thing. Which, yeah. And, and I didn't, I went into it like, okay, comedy and dogs. Like, this, this could, this could get bigger, but I, not to, I had... Sure. This is crazy. Yeah. I've been in shock for the last two years. Um, I had no idea any of this was possible. So, and I find it interesting as somebody who writes, mm -hmm. the um, you know the, the medium of writing short form. I'm friends with a guy named Justin Halper, and Justin Halpern was shit my dad says, which is okay. one of the kind yeah, of yeah. prototypical mm -hmm. nailing it in 140 characters. Uh, did you, you know, have you? workshopped or thought about longer form writing or did it was it always like these are the bites I need to get to this this is the medium for me so I fell in love with the challenge of 140 characters yeah. um, that was something that set Twitter apart from anything else yeah and it still is something that sets Twitter apart uh, from anything else but um, that seeing people make or even making me laugh or me feel something with yeah. that confined space was was so so fascinating to me, and I had to partake in it. Yeah. Um, so that's why I made a Twitter. Uh, my my jokes were so bad at the beginning, and I just I just learned I learned how to um, make use of every character. Yeah. Um, even after even with dog rates, uh, pictures used to take up characters. Yeah, right. They made that change probably about a year into my account. Retweets used to you couldn't do that. That's predates pro dog rates. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but that extra, I think it was 18 characters uh -huh. that the picture, that not including the picture gave me was like, like freedom. Like that was, <laughs> that was, there's so much more I can do with this. Yeah. Um, but speaking of long form, when I started writing the, the book, yeah. the, the Weary yeah. Dogs book that I, I think it's set for October now. Sweet. Um, it, 
I tried, because I was no longer confined to the 140 character. I could write about a dog for six pages if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't work. <laughs> really? We Rate Dogs only works, and maybe because I've built my tone, my style, my voice on Twitter. Yeah. Um, but it does not work in long form. Um, it, I, almost, I almost had in the back of my mind, I could do a... I could do a um, people of New York or humans of New York yeah. with dogs. I could do something to that. I could, I could make it a long form in in that style almost or that uh, that format, and it doesn't work. The short, choppy sentences are what makes We Rate Dogs We Rate Dogs. Um, that almost what is now formulaic. Um, that I almost fill in the blanks of a of a canvas that I already I already found out works. Um, that that is the only form we rate dogs exists in successfully. Even on Instagram or Facebook, like um, even though we didn't originate there, so that could uh, that could be responsible for our lack of following yep. there. Uh, it's still I think we rate dogs would be successful on Instagram if it was meant for Instagram. Even if it was uh, reposts from Twitter, I yeah. think that uh, platform would be. If it was meant for it, we'd be successful on it. So I think it really is something that is uh, unique to Twitter, and it only works in Twitter. And I I think it's because that's where I first started exp- first started writing. That's where I built everything from. So that uh, that's my only explanation for why it only works there. So is the book just twenty two thousand tweets? <laughs> I mean, the book is so it, uh, I think we have around two hundred images. Okay, uh, it's seventy of. Around seventy of the greatest hits, with maybe some. I think I twisted some of them around, uh, um, and then one hundred and thirty or so uh, exclusive pictures to the book. Yeah. Um, so obviously, we didn't want to make a book that was like the Twitter account because there's no incentive to buy it. Right. So at the end of the book, there's a dog dictionary where I kind of explain in my own terms what I think the words that I've um, adapted or even in some cases made my own. Yeah. Um, I kind of explain what what they are to me, even if they're silly, like, uh, they are definitions that at the same time I wanted to make sure I didn't, um, like contradict anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to explain them in my own way. Uh, so I think that adds, uh, an incentive t- to get the book. But, um, other than that, yeah, I found out that this, the format that, that We Rate Dogs started in is still the only, the only way it exists. It's so participatory. It's so... Everybody else is in on the joke. That's mm-hmm. how it works. Everybody else is in on the fun. The whole That's whole point of the internet. That's the whole point <laughs> of the internet is it's collaborative and all that stuff. And it is great for your business model that people are like, here's a exactly. billion photos. Exactly. Uh, is there ever a concern that people are going to be like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. This picture is my IP. You're, you're making a book out of it. Why do my, mm-hmm. is my border collie your guy? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gathering not by the way that you're kind of looking because it seems like you just you're, you have no shortage. But <laughs> but um, gosh, I don't even know. Does so do people give in, implied consent if they send you the photo that you can republish it any way you want? So with the book, obviously, yeah. I had to send them unofficial. Yeah, agreement. okay. Um, and so they they signed off on it. I signed off on it. Yeah, uh, unofficial. We made it very official. Your dog is not going to show up in the book unless I contacted you months ago. Okay. Um, and which, but. People are so, like, if I use your photo, mm-hmm. you're usually not upset about it. No. It, like My that, dog is now famous. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Even if it, like, I've rarely come across, and it's usually when I mess up or I yeah. change the name without letting people know I've started it. If I change the name or if I 
um, even change the gender to fit what's in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, people, there, there have been very few cases, but cases nonetheless, that people are like, hey, now, like, like I, I wanted to rate my dog. Obviously, this is awesome, but, like, you didn't have to do that, or, right. or you could have portrayed my dog differently. Or, or, but at this point, when you send me your dog, you're sending it because you want me to post it. Uh, so if I post it, I think, I think we're good. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and so obviously there's, um, it's like 2%, 2 to 5% of what I'm sent. Uh, I'm, well, I guess it's, I guess around 2% I post and, and 5 to 10% I I see because now I have, I have a contractor that, that goes through those submissions and he's the first line of defense for, for, uh, any fantastic content um so and that's just delegating so that i can focus on the the part i like which is the actual creating the captions and the actual trying to to uh learn my audience and 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 i i spend an absurd amount of time just scrolling my notifications tab seeing what you have to say about what i just posted um audience feedback is the whole reason we're on social media is yeah. to see what people have to say about what we just did. And when you have an audience, it's, it's, it's scary addictive. It's what it's like, it's this immediate feedback of whether you just succeeded or failed. Yes. Um, and other big accounts that copy and paste, they don't have that risk. There's no risk of failing because you just stole it for, from someone that, that already, it's already popular. Yeah. Um, you know, it's going to work. But with my posts, even though they're formulaic and even though I can kind of get a sense of which posts will do well before I post them, um, it's still like every time I post, it's like, okay, what are people going to say about this one? I can't predict that to an extent that I'm 100% comfortable anytime I press that tweet button. And I found it interesting the way you've handled thievery. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not technically illegal. Exactly. So you can't send lawyers after mm-hmm. people. You sort of want to shame them, but you're good time Charlie on the internet, so you can't do that too. That's a fine freaking line, man. Oh, like if, if yeah. you're talking about a dog, it's like, okay, you know, you could have a little nuance with it, but it's positive. You really have to get the message across. So, I mean, how long does it take to sort of strategize about how to do it? Because you really have to protect your turf. So, it's hard for me whenever I think about, okay, if you just took my post word for word. Yeah. It's even hard for me to go after you because the easiest thing to say back to me is these pictures aren't yours anyway. Yeah. And when when I can I can firmly state that half of my audience doesn't give a shit about my captions. Yes. They are only there to see cute, cute pictures of dogs. And those are the followers that honestly I don't care what their opinions are because I'm not really focused my so the fine line between art and aggregation yeah. is that if, just the picture, the internet, if the picture relies on the caption, yeah. it is art. But if the caption relies on the picture, it is aggregation. Um, and that's that's kind of what I've learned. That And my most popular posts are because that video or that picture was unbelievable. And I could say anything, and that picture or video would have gone viral. Yeah. Um, in some cases, my caption is what, uh, especially in the case with, with the few political tweets, or in quotes, yeah. political tweets, um, those are... Those are when uh, the caption is what is the ca- the picture leans on the caption and that those are the tweets I'm proud of not just the not just the political ones but there are some that because of my caption this post went viral and that's that's success to me yeah um, if I'm just reposting photos with captions that no one cares about that's that's the, what I'm not doing my job um, and I think. Uh, 
uh, I think that like I'm just so proud of, of posts that, that people laugh at the caption and, the, and the, not the picture um, because I, I mean obviously I have control of picking the picture and I guess you could say there's skill in, in trying to determine what people are going to like 100%. but the caption is, is where it lies and if I fail to, to entertain you with the caption then I failed it's an interesting thing to me too. To you, just you know, very casually said, "Well, you know, the contractor that works for me." I was a stupid idiot when I was your age. I'm not hiring contractors, you know. So it's one thing to this takes skill, it takes hard work, it takes commitment. All that is true, but running a business is a totally different thing than being creative and being good at something. It requires these are skills that can take years mm -hmm. to cultivate. So you might have experience as a as a creative and smart guy. But how do you jump into the business element of it and execute properly? I mean, do you have a, you know, a, a go-to or mentor who's like, listen, mm -hmm. this, this is supply chain. This is, uh, this is how you hire someone. This is how you vet someone. How do you make those decisions when I assume you haven't really run a true business before? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, so I've learned that business is an art form in itself. Yeah. Uh, and I have not, like, so I'm a professional golf manager major for however long. Yeah. Um, and that it deals, that is connected to the business school at Campbell University. Yes. Um, so I have had intro level business, like uh, I took a principles of marketing class, I took an econ class. Um, principles of marketing was by far the class that I was uh, awake for the most, 24 <laughs> seven, uh, because that stuff, even though, even though it wasn't specific to social media or specific to an e-commerce store, yeah. um, it was it was marketing, and and that's something that I've learned to love. Um, so uh, I don't. So initially, we didn't uh, form as a business until July of last year. So yeah. we were we were pretty far along before we were like, okay, we should make some things official. Um, I uh, so my dad uh, is the executive director of, of a law firm law firm in, in Charleston. So he obviously has has this entry-level things down pat, and he knows uh, way more about business than I do. So in a way, he was my mentor at the beginning. Um, and then, so uh, I'm going to give a big shout-out to, to Tyler Mack, Mackey. Uh, he was the owner of Sticker Grub, who contacted me in December, so the month after I started We Rate Dogs. And he came, to, yeah, he came to me um, wanting to sell stickers based off some of my posts. Um, and I was like, this is a perfect place to start um, monetizing this uh, because they're low commitment. They're like they're like three dollars stickers, four dollars with yep. shipping. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, this was a great place to start to to even see if there was interest. If I could, if these people wanted to uh, were were big enough fans or were even loyal enough to to We Rate Dogs to to buy something from this this Twitter account. Like that's that in itself is a hard concept to to grasp. Uh, so. Then once, so those were kind of successful, and, and, uh, but we were, we were growing so much at this time, so I knew eventually we were going to try to start an e-commerce store. Um, and, and throughout that time, uh, John Ritchie um, kind of came in, uh, and, and now he's the one doing, going through all the submissions, because it got so overwhelming, and then he was, he was the guy that I was like, hey, you want to be a part of this. Um, you're literally going to look at dog photos. How did you know John? So he actually offered to buy the account very early on, and he introduced me to a side of Twitter that I had never. It's 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 Twitter marketing, but it's like it's a, it's the dark side of Twitter marketing. How it so? Is, so I don't know much about it, so I can't speak. Yeah. I, I can't speak for the people involved, but it's it's the um, nonstop 
retweet uh, retweeting ads for 20 minutes on and off. Uh, it's it's a very complex structure that these people have down pat, mm -hmm. and it's uh, it's it's there's two aspects of it. It's the people who own the accounts and the people who own the product they want the accounts to promote. Mm -hmm. um, and so I didn't know any of that existed, but I knew that We Rate Dogs was not going to go in that direction. Right. Um, we Rate Dogs had this pure, innocent feel that I was gonna, if I was gonna try to monetize this thing, I was gonna do it in the most, in the most wholesome way I could. Yeah. Um, which was, in my eyes, an e-commerce store because people wanted to support We Rate Dogs, um, and and I started Patreon, which is. Uh, yep. Which was, there are there are things about the Patreon that I wish. Uh, I did and I didn't do, um, but for the most part, uh, that e-commerce store was like, people can't really, uh, yeah, you could consider it, if you hate the idea of monetizing something like this or you don't see the scale in it, I understand why you would be against any sort of monetization on it. If you don't, if you don't value my entertainment, then obviously me trying to sell you something is going to piss you off. Um, so, But with the e-commerce store, that didn't happen. We had a few very... A few comments that were like, "Why is this account doing this?" But from there, we kind of established um, people. People kind of understood what we were doing, and they they kind of hopped on board. And so that's still our e-commerce store today is is doing really well because of that. And so that side of the business. Uh, so Tyler Mackey's the one that pretty much runs our entire e-commerce store. Yeah. Um, he com he connected me to our wonderful designer, um, and so I've just. From doing this for two years and being and surrounding myself with, with what I consider to be the right people and, and mm -hmm. who I hope to continue to be the right people, um, I've learned so much and it's I, I, I can't confirm this, but I would like to say it's more than uh, most classes could have te could have taught me. It's it's the real world. Even in classes where um, that kind of had to do with what I'm doing. I couldn't understand it until I was doing it. Mm. Um, it. It's very different to learn it in a classroom and then to apply it in real life. Um, and so, but yeah, over the course of We Rate Dogs, I've learned so much about about business, even though most people still don't see my account as a business. Some people still think a dog is talking to them. Um, so, <laughs> so it, it's, yeah, I've just, I've learned that the business in itself is an art and it has to coincide with, and, and like I said, I've done a good job of delegating, so my area yeah. is still on the creative portion, but I have to know all about what the people who work for me are doing if uh, that's just being a successful business owner, I have, to, I have to know all the parts of it. So Each time I've read something about you, it, you know, it portrays it as, nobody knows who this guy is on Canvas, <laughs> you know, oh, he's doing these things, and it's like he's hiding behind his computer, whatever it is, these, these rich stories, these allegories and all that, um, but you're still in a business school and you have access to business school profs who presumably have some experience with, uh, with that. Do you go to any of them for guidance or do you even just say, hey, I'm that guy, I'm doing this, what do you think about it just as like a, just out of curiosity to see if they'd have any thoughts? So, <laughs> I, I've never done that, first of all. Okay. Um, I've rarely left my dorm room to seek advice for this type of stuff. Hmm. Even though I have, even though I'm very well aware that Campbell has a has a established business school, yep. um, I can't shake the fact that I'm definitely learning more by by opening my ears to the internet almost, yeah. um, or opening my eyes to the internet. Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, so I've never I've never sought that that um, I guess you could say professional advice when it comes to business yeah. um, because. 
mostly, be, and this could be naive, but I don't think enough has been done with social media and an account like mine that they could really be helpful. Most of it couldn't it's be applicable. New. Most of it couldn't even be applicable to weary yeah. dogs. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm better off, uh, like the metrics I have at my fingertips with, with, with uh, not only uh, data with our store, but with my account is something that me learning the patterns of is me learning it. I don't think someone could teach me how to do that with my own thing, especially mm. because I'm the one that knows it so well. So, again, that may be very ignorant, and there's a professor out, professor at Campbell that could be like, Matt, I'm going to, like, this is how you should do this. You're doing this wrong. Um, here's a 10-step plan to, to make it so much better. Mm -hmm. um, but I'll put it on paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I just can't, I can't believe that at this point. Yeah. And um, so that's why I'm currently in the process of, of looking for um, not only a school, but a program that can, 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 almost um, compound We Ride Dogs. It can, not compound, but, um, what's the word? Um, it can elevate it, it can magnify it. Yeah, it, yeah. Can, it can bring it to new levels, yeah. and it can, it, can, uh, it can show me what I'm not taking advantage of, mm -hmm. um, and, and even from a creative aspect, it can show me what I'm doing wrong and what I'm doing right. So that's mm -hmm. what I'm currently searching for. Um, so... And, and like I said, throughout this process, I've fallen in love with social media marketing, yeah. um, digital media as a, as, a, as a whole. Is that, is the best place to magnify and elevate, is that a school or is that go work for Google? You know what I mean? Not Google per se, but just yeah. like a place that, that I, does this every day. If I knew, day. I'd be there. <laughs> yeah, right. I guess so. <laughs> um, so, I, and I know like going to MIT, being surrounded with yeah. people that, that not only legitimized uh, we rate dogs, but legitimize the concept of internet humor and, right. and, and, and how it should be validated in a, in a, not only a financial way, but as a people accepting it as a, as an art form and as a career path. Yeah. Um, so I was surrounded by these brilliant minds. Johnny Sun is incredible. Sarah Kay is incredible. Like these, these people just firmly instilled in me that what I'm doing matters. What, like what I'm doing is, just being in, in Bowie's Creek, North Carolina, there wasn't a lot of people that that were like, Matt, I love what you're doing because, uh, like, you're you're on the forefront of uh, content creation on the internet in general. Like, being surrounded by uh, at MIT was just this new experience that that made me believe that there's a place out there that that can obviously benefit We Rate Dogs and myself as a person. I'm a big believer in the power of reps. I think that there's like five talented people in the universe. Maybe Michael <laughs> Jordan is talented. I don't know. But the rest <laughs> of us are just like, you get good. You have some baseline smarts and, and open-mindedness and all that stuff, but you just keep doing it. And, uh, yeah, two years in, as you said, the jokes weren't as good. Mm -hmm. They're good now. Um, one thing that you do is you sometimes, from what I understand, delete tweets mm -hmm. as well. Do you view that as a failure if it goes out and you're like, man, it didn't hit? Or is it just like, that's part of the process and, you know, what, I've got breaks and makes to make my own way? It's still a failure. Yeah. I'm not at the point where I can shake off so easily um, a post that doesn't meet my standards. Um, what is the standard? How do you know you're going to delete it? So it, it can be, it, it's based, there's so many different analytics, but based on the time of day, based yeah. on, like, I can track after one minute, three minutes, five minutes, ten minutes and know what it's going to do after 24 hours, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and that's just from, from obsessively tracking these things, because if you don't do that, you're not optimizing the ability to entertain your audience. Right. Um, so uh, I, I, I think I've, and it's obviously at the beginning, 
I was tweeting everything, not deleting a thing. When I started this account, I was tweeting 20 plus times a day. Yeah. And and it was insane. Yeah. People, well, well, it it worked. Tweeting that much kept people interested, and it was such a new thing that people couldn't get enough. Yeah. Um, and then once, and then I knew there was a point where I was like, it's got to be quality over quantity mm -hmm. now. Um, and it, I think that mostly had to do with I had other things going on. Yeah. Um, I and now it's two tweets a day, um, for the most part. Um, and I think right now, if it doesn't do numbers like. Um, I want to say maybe 1,500 favorites in eight minutes, mm -hmm. seven, seven, eight minutes around that point. I can, I can get on and track and say, like, that's just a rough estimate. And it could be just how I'm feeling about the post. It, like, some posts I go into, and let's say I make a joke that might not, like, only a part of my audience will get. I'm not expecting the numbers I see on the other tweets. But if I go into it with, like, this should, this should do all right, and then it just doesn't meet what I think it should, um, then I'll consider deleting it and... I think in um, Megan's article, uh, it said around 10%, or maybe, I think I, that might have been what she said, but mm -hmm. I mean, because that's what I told her. Mm. Um, and so I think that's still fairly accurate. Um, and it, it's just, but yeah, I do, I do consider that a failure. Obviously, it's, and if I delete it, it's because no one's going to really, like, I feel that no one's going to really notice I deleted it. Okay. Um, because it just wasn't that impactful. And if, if my post isn't impactful, and it's not, and especially because I'm only doing two a day. Yeah. Uh, if that one or two posts doesn't go, oh, that's why I'm following the great dogs, then I've failed. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I still consider, I, I, I don't consider that part of the process because it shouldn't be part of, part of the process. Um, even though, even though, uh, failing is a step to knowing what my audience doesn't like in a way, uh, I do still consider it like um, I wish I could eliminate them. Because you're still on top of the analytics, I'm just wondering if there are universal lessons to be had. Like obviously the analytics are going to be somewhat specific to you. Maybe people consume dogs at this time of day, maybe they mm -hmm. need it, whatever. But are there things you've picked up on that were you the were you teaching a class about social media? You could say, you know what, buddy, you should be always be tweeting at one o'clock in the afternoon and this is your peak time and all that. Because there, there are obviously traffic mm -hmm. ebbs and flows, but I'm just wondering if it's a total one-to-one -one relationship with literally whatever the graph says, or if there are certain nuances that people aren't getting. Maybe they're trying to build a comedy following. Maybe they want to gain followers. Maybe they're a writer of some kind that want people to read their story. Uh, is there something you can enlighten the rest of us with, I mm -hmm. guess, about how Twitter works? So, I, obviously, like you said, there are nuances. Depending on your audience, it'll vary greatly. But... For the most part, um, I have a demographic that I'm pretty sure leans slightly older than most other followers on the internet. And I can't confirm that, but that's just what I think. Obviously, my the main demographic is 16 to 21-year-old girls. Okay. Um, that That's what I've learned. That's just based on if you look at who quote tweets me and who retweets me and who comments. Like, that's, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. But... I have a very strong presence, and it's because they're the people that are buying my stuff. It's not the college kids that are, you know, they, they don't have any money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Like, I understand, I've been, I'm in that position where I'm a college student, like, like I, unless I'm all about We Rate Dogs, like, why would I go spend 30 bucks on a hat? Like, yeah, right. Um, but so, especially with this building the e-commerce store part, I've recognized that we do have a following of 
an older generation. Hmm. And I think it's because it's Weary Dogs is something that if your kid finds, they're going to introduce it to you. Yeah. Uh, it's not something that your kid is going to be like, oh, you wouldn't get this. No. Um, it's something like, oh, this is a dog. There's captions. All dogs are good. The rating's over 10. <laughs> like, it's a fairly simple concept. For, yeah. and, and I'm not saying that later generations need simple to grasp the internet, um, but it, it's something that's easily communicated. Um, and, and so I think that, that's, that makes it so our audience leans older. Um, but as far as what I could, like, universal, universal advice for, mm -hmm. um, I, I was actually asked one time, like, what would you tell someone trying to do what you're doing? And, I, like, I, it's hard for me to not say I had an idea and I got lucky with it. Yeah. Um, I can sit here and try to explain, oh, I, I found out that, that comedy and dogs are this perfect combination combined with my personal style, and I knew it would, I knew it would succeed, but... It it truly was like I struck gold with an idea that wasn't successful before. Uh, people were like, "Why?" Every I see when when it gets introduced to people, people are like, "Why didn't I think of that?" Because yeah, it's dogs and words. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's a simple premise. So, um, but yeah, as far as the timing of tweets, uh, like I do my posts at or as close to noon as possible and as close to eight p.m. as possible. Mm -hmm. um, that Eastern. Yes, Eastern time. Um, but if a tweet is good enough, if a post is good enough, it doesn't matter. Hmm. Um, it, it's more of like the difference between a, a few thousand favorites based yep. on the time, if it's an average post. But if it's going to go viral, it's going to go viral no matter what time that you could tweet at 4 a.m. in the morning. People are going to find it and hmm. people are going to like it. Um, so if I, there are things that are definitely only applicable to We Rate Dogs. Yeah. But Twitter as a whole is this it's it's just it's so fascinating it's why I'm never gonna leave the platform until it dies um, so next month yeah so, so it's, <laughs> I don't know when um, but I almost like you know I, I have ambivalent sort Twitter like a lot of people do I, I really one of the great regrets would be if Twitter goes away where am I getting my dog raised I'm, I'm not <laughs> I'm not just telling you that seriously uh, yeah <laughs> I I it's one thing that I haven't wrapped my head around if yeah. Twitter disappeared tomorrow what would I do yeah um, obviously like my personal account has a kind of a substantial following yep. now that if, if you were in love with dog rates, you found out who I was and you followed my personal account. But if you're just, if you don't care about Matt Nelson, you just want your daily dose of mm -hmm. dog rates. Um, there's not an equivalent at the moment. I can post the same stuff on Instagram. I can post the same stuff on Facebook, but people are on Twitter for a reason. They're not, they're not liking my posts, uh, sharing my posts on Facebook and these other platforms yeah. because I'm on Twitter. Like, I don't, I, I haven't figured out a game plan if Twitter disappears. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of scary because they are, they are talking about, like, a subscription-based thing. Like, what, I don't know how that would affect my audience. If, if Twitter went to a, a monthly subscription, I think, I think they'd be dumb to do that. I think they should offer a free service and pay for, like, analytics, like something I would yeah, be interested yeah. in. I think that's one way they could do it. But I don't have an answer for what, what would happen if Twitter... Disappeared tomorrow. I already like that you're speaking in the third person occasionally, by the way. Matt Nelson! It's great. It's great. Um, I also want to ask you about uh, the potential for controversy. You did wade into the political stuff a little bit. The way that you described this was it was more human rights stuff. It wasn't, mm -hmm. well, listen, here's my opinion on this tax bill. It was yeah, yeah. human beings should be treated with decency and what have you. Uh, is that as far as you're going to go with this, just in terms of things that aren't dogs and numbers? 
I think so. Yeah. Um, I think the three tweets, of course, were the, the women's march, um, I marched for my mom's yep. dog, um, the, the dog with the sign that said, I wagged for refugees, mm-hmm. and then a post about um, someone, uh, a woman, I think even a, a, it was a Clemson teacher that was stuck in Iran for a while during the, during the Muslim ban, yeah. and she came back and reunited with her dog at an airport. Okay. Um, so those three are pretty, they're... I don't think they're partisan issues. I mean, uh, clearly they are. Clearly they are because there was controversy surrounding it, yeah. surrounding uh, surrounding it. But those truly, like, uh, like I didn't tweet about the tax march. No, I didn't tweet about those things uh, because I understand that people have different opinions. And but when it comes to when it comes to treating people equally, mm. like uh, I had to use my platform. Yeah. I had to mostly and. Yes, I knew they would they would do well. I knew these posts would do well because it's controversial and because it's a dog rating account tweeting something that isn't isn't what they would usually tweet. Yeah. So I knew they would do okay, but that's not why I posted them. I posted them so that people would know that the person behind this account is one a person and two has empathy. Uh yeah. understands the concept of empathy. And it's not like I posted those uh, in an attempt to change anyone's mind, but hey, if you were if you were affected by that post because someone like We Ray Dogs mentioned it, then then that's good. I think um, it, it's an exercise to the whole thing in, in in mastery of the English language. You talk about nailing the right word, not just misspelling, but just the onomatopoeias. Uh, I love the word "mlem." <laughs> "Mlem" is a great word. It's, quickly, quickly shifting topics. Yeah, I go. Well, I get. Oh no, no, I love it. the controversy stuff. Is, I might be all over this anyway. Um, but yeah, like there's something to, you know, the lexicon. I mean, NBR yeah, is writing about the lexicon. I mean, Everybody's writing about the lexicon, and you're not the only person who's the purveyor of this exactly. lexicon. It's grown and it's interesting, but um, you know, I always wonder how long these things. Go. I'm not talking about like how what's the the, the burn rate for mm-hmm. we'll find out. Yeah, well, yeah. Hopefully it'll be never it'll make a zillion dollars. But the idea of this is how people talk now, that's very dynamic. That changes oh, yeah. quickly. So are you trying to be hyper attuned to the progression of the English language? Like, aside from the fact that your posts are better now, are you just using a different vocab now than you did five months ago, ten months ago? Or not yet, is that too soon? <laughs> I, I use a vocab that um, I only... So, the first time I tweeted something AF yeah. was groundbreaking. <laughs> it was like, it was like, I just, I just, I have no idea. It was, it was insane. <laughs> it was like, no one expected it. And it was at a time where, like, now you think of, oh, saying AF, it's a little cringy. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's, it's like done. it's not yeah. yeah. Um, so I use it. I don't. And that happens fast. Oh yeah, I use it very sparingly now. Yeah. Um, compared to using it in every post, because yeah. I started using it and it became, we were, that became a massive part of We Ray Dogs. Yeah. Um, even I, I think I remember us like, uh, someone posted a bunch. It was like I think it was called like a, We Rate Dogs, uh, drop or. Something like that on, on Imager, mm-hmm. where they just posted pictures of my posts, like 10 of them. Right. Um, and the comments, because it was this different platform, it was like, obviously most people were like all for it, but then some people were like, 
do you think he used AF enough? Like, and I think it was just because they weren't they weren't around for when I first did it, and yeah. there was just this. It was like a eureka moment of this is what people want to see, and it was crazy. But now it's a drug for you, you know. It's I'm sorry that it helped your business. It's just like oh shit, so much affirmation. Give me more, give me more. I would assume. Yes, as yeah. soon as people were like, that's in, like, I loved that you used that. Yeah. I like, and I think it was most people were. My mom just asked what AF meant, and so <laughs> and uh, so I think that may have added to the whole to the whole thing, but. Some people would straight up ask the account, and then I would make up like it's French for. Like, I would I would get creative with what I would say to that. Yeah. Um, and then I censored the word heck. Uh, yeah. Well, I actually I used the word like there are posts where I don't censor the word heckin like and then yeah. that like heckin like there were memes where there would be dogs and one of them would say heck like that that in itself was uh, around before me, but. Uh, like Doggo and Pupper, I tried to make it my own. Yeah. Um, and I think I succeeded, but the first tweet where I was like, you know, it would, would really fit the almost absurd, pure, innocent feel now that this Weary Dogs had was censoring a word that people think is already censoring another word. Right. Um, and so adding that little asterisk was <laughs> was like, oh my God. It was, in, it was, and immediately, it was just like AF. People loved it. They caught on immediately. Yeah. And to the point where I'm still using it. Um, and that was probably, I, I don't know exactly when, but more than six months ago, I started using it. Yeah. Um, so as far as, as far as the life uh, ex, uh, expectancy of, of not only memes, but the, but vocab in general, like, yeah. I'm just figuring it out. Like, as soon as, as soon as I feel like heck or censoring it doesn't add to the post, why would I keep using it? Like, maybe for the... Uh, almost cynical reason of, oh, we still have shirts in our store that say that. You're right. <laughs> um, so, uh, and now I'm, I'm like, I can't, and I'm, I'm trying now to like, what's, what's the next right. censoring heck? What is the next thing that I can add to this tweet where the caption could be good, the picture could be good, but the fact that I use that is why you retweeted it. Yeah. And I haven't found it yet. So that's why I'm, and I'm almost want to, actually, I was thinking about this the other day, um, I want to see, like, oh, for, for the next 15 posts, I'm not going to use AF or censor heck or, or use heck in general. And just see what new things people catch on to. Because in the comments, people, if multiple people reference the same part of a caption, I know that that's the part they enjoyed. And I know that, that that's the part that may have led to a, the success of a post. Um, so I'm still very much trying to figure out what the next thing is. And I'm, I actually might just go out of my way to not use those words so that something else can come out of nowhere. Hmm. So, I mean, it sounds like the place that you workshop is it. It is the okay. actual Twitter. Like, do you ever go out with friends for pizza <laughs> and say something crazy and see if it lands? I mean, I, I don't, or so even, I even used to, text somebody and see if it lands? I used to, uh, going back to swimming, yeah. I used to finish sets and look to Nathan Runyon, who was my best friend growing up, and uh -huh. say, I just thought of the best joke. And I would tell it to him, and if I, if he thought, like, I would tweet it later if he liked it. Good, okay. Um, and that is how, um, because there was such a, there was so much pressure riding on my, and it, like, I, I thought Twitter was the most serious thing ever when I was making this joke. So I had to almost go into some of these jokes with some sort of affirmation that they were going to be good, yeah. or I, I would just be stressing out about it. Um, so um, now I think I'm kind of, besides the other two people that some like have an input into We Rate Dogs, I'm the only one that sees these trends, sees these patterns, sees these analytics. Um, 
that unless something is born outside of We Rate Dogs that I think I can again make my own, yeah. um, then I'm going to be the one that comes up with it. And I'm going to obviously test it on We Rate Dogs first. Um, because, again, it's just a small piece of the caption, a small piece of the even bigger post. Um, so it's not much of a risk to throw something new in if it's a word or two words in a phrase. Um, so I would, I would, I'm, I haven't done it yet, like where I'm like, oh, I have this idea. Let me see if my friends think that's a good idea. Hmm. Yeah, because I have the world at my fingertips to test drive with. Yeah. Um, especially with most of the marketing things, I'll, I'll like new products. I'll ask my personal account. Um, but even like, I asked my personal account if I should make the We Rate Dogs account. That's how it started. I, I was like, would this be cool to do? I made a poll, and people yeah. were very optimistic, so I made the account. Like, There are some things that I run by that account first, but other things I'm like, this is the perfect canvas to test anything on. Why would I not try to do that with, with We Rate Dogs? And people get noticed on the internet. It's pretty easy to get noticed when you have 2 million followers, I would assume. <laughs> uh, oftentimes it results in like, oh, come right for this late night TV show. Come do this, come do this. You are performing comedy. It is good comedy. It is popular comedy. Have you been approached by people in the entertainment industry or at GQ or whatever to come make words at other places? Has that happened? No. Oh, interesting. And that actually surprises me. So, yeah. so I don't... There are opportunities coming that have to do with, with brands wanting to access my brand yeah. and see um, associate themselves with my brand. Yeah. But there has not... And, like... It's funny because uh, Johnny Sun and I went to Twi Boston Twitter headquarters and they were like, um, uh, we were talking about how ads were uh, not something people want, but we still um, want to be compensated for our work on your website or something, something yeah. to that extent. And uh, what was I going to say? Um, oh, we were talking about, um, God, I'm sleep deprived. Uh, we were Same. talking about somebody approaching you, you know, yeah, something like that. So, um, uh, these, oh, so great Twitter people get sniped by other places. Yeah, right. They have to make their money elsewhere. So they're, and like, even with writing my book, that took me away from Twitter. Yeah, right. So in order for us to capitalize on what we're doing on Twitter, we have to leave it for a time. Hmm. Um, these late night TV shows, yeah, they're sniping the greatest writers there are sure. that, that come from everywhere because Twitter's universal. Yeah. Um, but no, I have not. And I don't... Do you want to? I think I've got enough of my own thing going on at yeah. the moment. Like, yeah. I'm not saying that to be like, oh, I would, I would hate to write for Seth Meyers. Yeah, I mean, right. No, I would love that opportunity. That'd be fantastic. But no, I haven't been approached in doing that. And I think it's because, like... Uh, I, I'm very uh, now. I'm very limited into my like. It's hard for me to not to write a joke about dogs now. I'm very limited with my creativity because of We Rate Dogs, um, and I I have to almost really try and really try to experience life in order yeah. to in order to make a joke about that's relatable to people that isn't about dogs. Like I have to go out of my way to try to think of something. Obviously, I did that in the past, but it was easier. Yeah. Um, now my brain is. Is, is we are dogs messed my brain up so that I cannot I cannot think outside. I, I have an, a, an entire account dedicated to tweeting like you're the voice of a dog. Like it's it's very hard to break that, and that's not what fits late night comedy. Right. Um, they want almost almost a boring, consistent laugh. Um, yeah. And that's what they get with. I mean, they, no doubt, brilliant writers. Yeah. But, but not they don't. 
they're writers that really don't and because I, I I follow I follow a lot of them and I've met a few of them and it's 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 not deadpan because that's a style of comedy but it's it's very consistent mm -hmm. in the fact that there there's uh, I'm not taking away from the skill of it it's amazing but sure. it's uh, it, yeah it, they they seek out the same type of comedy and I don't think I fit that right um, but I don't know that's uh, but yeah it's it's this sounds arrogant, but yeah, I'm also surprised just because of the, my follow, like the number of followers, not Absolutely. because I'm saying the, the writing is good. Who have one tiny fraction. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, so that's why it also kind of surprised me that I haven't at least been approached. But it's right now, it's like I don't think I could take that on with how 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 much um, I do every day with We Rate Dogs. Well, and by the same token, and I'm not really interested in the question of how long is this going to go on because <laughs> we can't decide other people's yeah, yeah. taste. But what we can talk about is your own proclivities. And as you said, you're inhabiting the brain of a dog all the time. <laughs> you seem, in the 45 minutes that I've known you, to be a person that has probably varied interests and is smart and all that stuff. There's no way to inhabit the brain of a dog forever. Uh, do you think about six months, 12 months, five years, and, and where and how, and if it's going to be the same thing? So the Dog Feelings account, as soon as I made it, um, I tweeted that if I can't find my own style with it, because there's a great account called Dog Solutions mm -hmm. that tweets in this absurd vocabulary, um, that I was afraid I would look like I was mimicking that. Yeah. And yes, I'm aware of that account, so yeah, it subconsciously uh, went into my creative process, mm -hmm. but as soon, like, and initially with the Dog Feelings account, there was a couple people that were like, this is just a, a, a worse Dog Solutions. And so... I tried to think back and say, did everyone ever, ever any, any say, like, this is rip-off dog spotting yeah. when I started We Rate Dogs? Right. And, and it, was, it was so long ago that I couldn't, I don't think that happened. So I tweeted on my personal account, I was like, if I can't find my own voice with this new account, I'm taking it down in a week. There's no point of me to, like, but I then, I then found something that was unique and people started to enjoy independent of any other account. Mm. So that's why, that's why I continue to, to tweet and as a, talking like a dog. Um, but I, I, as far as the longevity of these two things, um, obviously with We Rate Dogs, I'm going to try to pay attention with, with, uh, audience and how trends, I'm going to try to force it to be relatable until it can't be anymore. Yeah. Um, as soon as, as soon as I feel like I'm trying too hard, uh, well, I don't know, I wouldn't say trying too hard because I, I put too much thought into captions most sure. of the time, but, um. I will try to adapt to fit trends and to fit uh, what is the new status quo mm -hmm. to the point where I hope I can keep this going for as long as possible. Um, and I don't see people not liking dogs, uh, in, like, in the near future. So um, I think, and with that, even if people start to only lean on the dog pictures, like, that, I would, it would come to a point where if I stop enjoying doing it, like, I'm just, I, I have to stop doing it. Um, because if I stop enjoying it, I know the people that follow me for my, for the writing aspect of it are going to stop enjoying it, too, so. You are the most self-aware person <laughs> I've ever met in my entire life. Way a lot. Um, uh, one last question, which I do at the end of every podcast, is I always ask the guest for a life tip, a nugget of wisdom. And it could be something super inspirational that you would learn in your MBA class. It could be just goofy shit, whatever you want. Uh, Seems like you got your stuff together pretty well. Um, is there something that you wake up in the morning and this drives you to do this thing? 
Uh, is it something completely unrelated to your work? Something that's like, oh yeah, this is this is really Matt in a nutshell. If I met him, I would say, oh yeah, that's what he's about. So, I think it would be because I used to be like I'm very open minded now, thanks to the internet. But cool. um, I think don't like if you see that someone has different interests than you, like that's perfectly fine. Yeah. And if you even like I didn't understand watching people play video games on the internet until I watched someone play video games on the internet. I didn't understand the concept of it. Yeah. Um, but when I did, I was like, this is why people like this. I yeah. understand this. And even if you don't get that experience when you try something, like, just, you need to respect that other people find this thing interesting. Um, and, and that's what, when, I, when anyone, when I get negative criticism on Weary Dogs, like, um, I'm like, it's okay that you don't like this. But try to respect the fact that people do. Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of the takeaway that I've learned from being on the internet. I think that's people have different interests, and that's perfectly fine. I like it. <laughs> it was a pleasure. Nice to meet <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah.